welcome to the First and Orange Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We are the Broncos beat reporters for the Denver Post, entering a week four, week five matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week four. Week four, getting ahead of myself, but who cares about the game in this one? This one is all about Mr. Ryan O'Halloran. We'll call it the O'Halloran Bowl. Based on the fact uh, that Ryan across from me uh, covered the Jaguars for a lengthy amount of time, came to Denver now in his second season, you pretty much have all the insight uh, needed for this one. Is Fangio going to make you like a special coach or like an analyst for the game? Are you going to sit, sit somewhere else in the box? How's that going to work? Well, I, I would like to see his reaction to that if that's a question. I mean, <laughs> he probably doesn't know who I am. Hint, hint. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of faces have changed in Jacksonville since I was there. Covered them 2012 to 2017. So the last game I covered for them was AFC title game loss in New England. And when I said, hey, I said, my work is done here, and I moved on. But same head coach, Doug Marone, same defensive coordinator, Todd Wash, same front office, but a lot of changes this Jaguar roster. And quite frankly, on paper, they have a better roster than the Broncos. Um, I would take a lot of their top guys over the, a lot of the perceived Broncos top guys. So I think it's going to be uh, you know tough sledding for the Broncos on Sunday. Uh, looking at this matchup, we could start a lot of different places, but let's go with the quarterback, Gardner Minshew. Uh, a lightning rod just because of kind of the free spirit he's been, whether you want to look at the crazy backstories of things he's done, the fashion, all that. But let's talk about him as a passer, Ryan, because that's what actually matters in this game. Comes from this Mike Leach system where they spread five wide and they throw the ball instantly, and it's it's sort of seen as something that maybe doesn't transition so well to the NFL. Gardner Minshew has shown that if you're accurate and if you can play well in, in a system, it doesn't really matter where you came from or how tall you are, right? Is that sort of what, what you've seen at least early on in a few games? Yeah, and the two things are, you know, if you can be accurate, that will carry over. You can't come to the NFL hoping you're going to become all of a sudden more accurate because the windows are tighter, the players are better. And he knows where to go with the ball, so that's decision-making. And I think a key for Minshew is he only played one year at Washington State, so he's been exposed to a lot of different systems, which probably has helped him pick this up a little bit faster. In the preseason, he had 30 drives and no touchdowns. So when he when they made the decision to cut Cody Kessler and make Minshew the backup, it was like, okay, well, that's interesting. He didn't really show a lot as a six-round pick. He has played well uh, since he took over for uh, – you know, Nick Foles early in that week one game. So it's, uh, I think it's interesting matchup. I mean, if you're him, you look at the pass rush or Broncos say, hey, they got no sacks, no takeaways. You know, I should be able to find some guys. And looking at the other side of the ball, and <clears throat> this is maybe where some of your Jacksonville insight comes in a little bit more. Uh, this Jalen Ramsey saga is, you know, the, the next soap opera we've seen in the NFL yeah. of a high-paid player wanting out of his situation to get in a better situation and we could debate the pros and cons of that but it doesn't sound like Ramsey's gonna play but I think he will oh wow so that's bold I, I like yeah. the take tell us why well I mean he uh he, he was excused he had to go <laughs> home to Nashville for the birth of his second child uh, when he had the first child he was excused from training camp he milked that for a week um I think he'll be here Sunday morning I think he'll play Sunday afternoon um, that's my take on that part. Think of Ramsey is something every day. Calling in sick. Oh, my back hurts. I got a terrible bum ankle. Um, if healthy, you know he does change the game. If he was inactive because he wasn't here, that may switch my pick. But we won't know that. So um, his trade demand. It was uh, 
it was a it was a it was a decision made out of emotion or a demand made out of emotion that I think he got uh, you know it was a bad play by his camp. You know it's tough to walk back from a trade demand if your issue is at the front office. Go to ownership first, try and take care of that. Um, they don't have to trade him. They could make him play out this year and make him play out his fifth year option and tag him in 2021. He has very little leverage, if any. Um, so. You know, I think the, the cooler heads on the Jaguar side have prevailed. The fact that this is between him and Tom Coughlin, by all accounts, you know, sort of frees up Doug Marone to be the coach of the team. But uh, you know, if if I'm the Jaguars, I play it out this year because the offseason you figure to get some better value because teams have the cap space. They've been able to investigate what an extension would cost. And also you know exactly what kind of draft picks you're getting. You're not saying I'm trading the first. We'll see where it ends up later this year. So that's uh, the take on uh, Ramsey. It is a saga it is a sports opera or soap opera. And it's a mess. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's just stick with the Jaguars just a little bit more since we're on defense. Uh, a unit that creates what is it nine sacks last against week Tennessee, yeah. against Tennessee in a pretty resounding victory by that team. Uh, we saw Joe Flacco hold on to that ball way too long many times through several points in these first few weeks. A big area of concern, Ryan, is that where you start looking at this defense, especially when maybe this Ramsey situation is kind of up in the air. Still? Yeah, I, that's what I do. And you know, if I'm the Jaguars, they have 13 sacks uh, tied for first in the league. Broncos have none. Their last in the league. Everybody else has at least two. The yeah, interesting thing about watching the Jaguar Tennessee game last week is uh, how much pressure they sent in terms of extra bodies. They had a couple seven man pressures because you have two corners outside with Boye and Ramsey who can cover man on man. Uh, you know, they were Saxonville two years ago on their way to a division title, did it with a lot of four man rushes. So I would expect the Jaguars to test this offensive line, test Garrett Bowles. Test Elijah Wilkins at right tackle. He had some tough plays against Green Bay. Yanni Kangakwe, Josh Allen off the edges. Calais Campbell, the Denver native, provided an interior rush. Marcel Darius is a nose, uh, defensive tackle, very good player. And then you you can blitz him with Miles Jack or DJ Hayden off the slot. So I think that is the key part for the Broncos to button up this week in practice is, hey, make sure you block your guy, but also make sure where guys are rushing from. On the flip side, looking at the Broncos' pass rush, we're recording today's episode on a Thursday, so we don't know what the health status is going to be of Derek Wolf moving forward. Uh, suffered an ankle injury in that game at Green Bay. But if he's unable to play, Ryan, this is something I'll be writing about this week. It really opens up the door for some of these young rushers, right? Demarcus Walker was a guy uh, who was kind of lamented his role in the team last year, being a healthy scratch, you know, the odd guy out of that defensive line rotation. Uh, he should have a shot. Draymond Jones, uh, the Broncos rookie out of Ohio State, another guy who's really has that speed and quickness maybe inside that the Broncos haven't seen. You know, these are two guys who haven't played significant snaps to this point. They, you know, with Walker, he's got a little bit of baggage with getting moved around early in the league. And so he's still maybe kind of viewed as a young player despite being around for a while. But is there some expectation that, hey, if the starters can't get this thing done, someone on this O line or D line is going to have to step up and, and provide a spark? Do, do you see that possibility coming from, from either of these guys? I think Jones could get a chance if you line him up inside. Um, you got to get in some third and longs. Get those edges going with Chubb and Miller. Uh, Walker played 20-plus snaps last week. You know, I think he's become a rotational player. He just couldn't get out of Vance Joseph's doghouse last year. So 
thing that maybe hurt Draymond Jones is, is Bryce Callahan's injury. Bear with me on this one. Is had Callahan been healthy to go, I, I had heard they're going to play a little more dime where Draymond okay. Jones would have been that pass rushing lineman with maybe Gotts. So you get you know, minus Wolf if he has an ankle sprain if he misses this week. I'm sure uh, you know Jones would probably start opposite of Gotsis, so that means more playing time. And then Walker could be the you know the you know, backup nose tackle and also give you some snaps in place of Gotsis. So I'm of the mind at this point try anything. Get, if guys active, give him a couple shots. I think Malik Reed deserves a shot just to see if he can provide a spark. So you know you are at a desperate time. And so you have to take a desperate measure. It means trying to do whatever it takes to generate a pass rush. Let's look at the the Broncos' offense to kind of wrap things up today. In today's Denver Post, Mr. Mark Kisla saying, the Broncos lose this game, put the clock on Drew Locke. When is he healthy? When is he back? And in your mind, is that a fair estimation, if that's a word I'm creating right now for uh, Joe Flacco's leash and and kind of what he's got left and what he's shown so far? Wow, to me, the clock has already started. (laughs) Tick-tock, tick-tock. Locke is eligible to practice here in two weeks, eligible to come off IR after eight weeks. So as kids pointed out, the game uh, game before the – after the bye, excuse me, is home against Cleveland. So, I mean, a loss this week would would say, hey, you know, Drew, as soon as you're healthy, you're going to be ready to go. And if they are, one, you know, two and five or two and six, something like that, that's what I would do. I would find out if Drew Locke can be your guy moving forward. And if he's not, and you go back to the drawing board with a deep quarterback class and most likely a top 10 pick again. You know, don't be chasing your tail hoping a guy can be good. Find out, you know, take advantage of the suckiness and see if you can, you know, find some building blocks for the future. The lack of sort of like wow moments from Locke, though, in preseason. You mentioned Minshew didn't do anything really of note. Now he's, you know, tearing the league up. Do we maybe take what Locke did with the grain of salt? Do we just have to see how he'd operate this offense with a full, you know, personnel around him in the right situation? And I think that's Minshew's deal, too. You're playing with starters. Locke did a little bit, but then he got hurt. So, okay, he would have played a lot in that Ram game. Uh, my guess he would have played a little bit in that Cardinal game. He probably would have at least started the game and got some reps that way. So, you know, my thing with Drew is, okay, you've missed so much time. Is it basically just starting over again? You know, all the habits you tried to perfect during camp, or you have to go back to the drawing board. You know, that if he is, then you hope if you're the Broncos, that process goes quickly again where he can get back up to speed. One final note for the O'Halloran Bowl. Uh, we got a little bit of reminiscing in the beginning, but give us one one good memory from from your time on the beat, Ryan. A good story, a funny story. Just just leave us on a on, on an insider's take on on this Jags team. Um, well, the most memorable. Game, I'll give you the most memorable game was okay. the division win at Pittsburgh. Um, they were the Jags were an underdog. They went up there early in that season and intercepted Ben Roethlisberger five times. So they they. They beat Buffalo in the wild card, and then they go to Pittsburgh, and they just jump out on them. I think the game time temperature was like 10 degrees, so it was chilly out. But they got a couple more turnovers, and they hold on. And I think that's probably the biggest – I mean, people point to – in Jacksonville point to the Jaguar win over the Broncos back in the mid-'90s, late-'90s, 97 season, I think, maybe the 96 season. But I think this one, it was around later. 
No, it was the same round. Oh, jeez. I wouldn't even. There, it was <laughs> the loser round. They all blend but together. But this, this one, I, mean, I think the Pittsburgh one was probably the second biggest win in franchise history after that upset win over right. the Broncos. Right, for sure. So a lot uh, a lot more Jaguars talk as we move forward. Certainly a lot of familiar faces that Ryan will see as, as the game nears at mile high. And on that note, I'll sign off for the First and Orange podcast for Ryan and myself. We appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to, to subscribe to the Denver Post. You can get that print edition delivered to your doorstep every morning and be sure to check out our website denverpost.com for all of our web content and we will see you guys next time